Well, it's wonderful to be here this evening and to open the word with you. Maribel and I have just been extremely blessed over the last uh, about five weeks as we've been here. Um, it's been a wonderful time with our family, wonderful time to reconnect with many of you. And on Wednesday, we'll be traveling back to Spain, Lord willing. We appreciate your prayers as we, I think we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, I think we have five flights total to make it home. Um, and, you know, what could possibly go wrong with five <laughs> flights? <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine. Um, we do have updated prayer cards. The last time we did prayer cards, uh, Daniel was the shortest one in the picture, and that has changed significantly since then. Um, and so, in fact, it's changed so much that Daniel asked not to be in the picture this time. Um, <laughs> now, we finally made that giant leap as missionaries, and we went to the vertical prayer card instead of the horizontal one. And, and so it's just Maribel and I in the, in the picture this time, um, and we're hoping it'll last for about 30 years or so. Um, but anyway, we're, we have some cards in the back if you're interested in picking one up. We appreciate your prayers for us. Also, I want to mention that we don't know exactly everything that's going to happen in the next few months, but it may well be that we end up coming back in January um, just for, it would be a longer stay, maybe like five months. We've never actually been here that long since we went to Spain, um, but we trust that God will guide and direct. Um, there's, there'll be some interesting ministry opportunities involved in that. Um, but anyway, I put that before you, and maybe, Lord willing, uh, you'll see us again before too long passes. Uh, the passage that we're going to look at this evening, I have to admit, when I, when I looked at it, and then I thought of not just for kids, I, I was at a <laughs> struggling just slightly with that thought, but um, I, we know this passage well, right? We, we've heard this passage before. So let's jump into the passage and talk about this new life in Christ and specifically um, what we have here. So the, the text says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. All right, we start with this, this first, and, and I really don't even need to take the time to develop this thought because we understand this concept, right? We understand that alcohol has an effect on the body, and every culture on the face of the earth has a term, has an understanding that as you drink this substance, there's a moment when things shift and you're no longer in control. And the Bible establishes just this hard line in the sand, and it says, a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't do that. There is a line that says, the world may cross that line. The world may tell us, oh, it's the best thing possible. Yeah. Don't believe everything you hear, all right? But the, the world may do this, but believers in Jesus Christ do not cross that line. And so we, we get this thought here, but I have to be honest with you. This is not the passage where really, you know, this is the, the one passage in the Bible for teetotalers or, or something along those lines. There's a thought here that's extremely, extremely interesting. So we, we start with this thought, do not get drunk with wine. And then we get this phrase, for that is debauchery. All right, here's, here's my moment of confession. Um, you, re, you remember the King James says, wherein is excess? And so my whole life I've heard that passage, 
And I, I've always just automatically understood, yes, if you, if you drink excessive amounts of wine, you will get drunk, which, of course, is true, right? I've always understood that excess in the sense of the drinking involved. And then, of course, as I looked at the ESV again, I thought, uh, you know, debauchery, I'm, I'm kind of hard-pressed to give you a definition for debauchery right off, you know, right on the fly, but it doesn't have really a lot to do with excess in the, in the sense that we understand it. So um, let's talk just about this idea, for that is debauchery. Um, I have some, some ideas here on the, on the slide, and you'll see as, you, as it comes up here, as it comes, there we go. Um, and, and we can just skip that slide, actually. All right, just move to the next one. Uh, there's quite a, quite a variety of translations. So as we, we look at the way different translations handle this, yes, we do have the King James that talks about that excess. But as we look at some other translations, we, think, we see things like, well, um, all right, want to move past that? There we go. Next. It'll come up at some point. Um, we get translations like um, riotous. We get ideas of, you know, just, you know, wild living, that kind of idea. And that really is the idea of debauchery. Debauchery takes us in the, in the direction of things which are embarrassing to even talk about, activities that people do. I, I remember a story about somebody. She told me that her brother went out for a party with some, some of his friends, got drunk out of his head. They brought him home. He was in, unconscious when he got home. He got up the next morning with this terrible headache, and he looked in the mirror, and he went, no! He had a giant tattoo of a bullseye on his elbow. In his drunken stupor, he decided that was a neat tattoo to get on his elbow. And um, she says he wears long sleeve shirts all year round. This is in Spain. It's extremely hot in the summer. He wears long sleeve shirts because he doesn't want anyone to see the tattoo on his, on his elbow. Why? Because he was drunk, and he did something incredibly stupid. So we get this idea of, of watch out, you know, be careful with wine. You do not want to get drunk with wine because it leads to the word debauchery. You can see on the screen here, we have some other terms. For example, in the New American Standard, you see they use the word dissipation. Okay? That may not be an easy word for us either. I, I went ahead and gave you a definition to spend or use up wastefully or foolishly. I mean, the definition's great. It's just, I don't know if you were thinking that definition when you saw the word dissipation. Um, but I love words like, for example, the word ruin or just reckless living. And what we're, what we're designed to understand here is if you get drunk, the result is going to be disaster. That's the idea here. And once again, our world can try to justify it, you know, the, the culture we live in. Hey, you know, it's just a fun time. You know, it's great. You lose your inhibitions. You, you just really have a good time. But if you're really honest and you really look at the results, drunkenness leads to, and I'm just going to go ahead and use the word disaster. I think that's not the word I put on the screen, but we'll go with that word, all right? So drunkenness leads to disaster. And here the thought is, you do not want to get drunk with wine. But definitely where we're headed with this is this 
contrastive comparison. And what are we comparing? Well, we're going to compare this getting drunk with this filling. And instead of looking for wine and how wine can lead us in the direction of affecting the way we act, the way we talk, what we do, we want to be filled with the Spirit. And this Spirit filling, the whole thought we should have is that as we talk about the Spirit, there should be a result that comes out of this. So, if you get drunk, the result is disaster. But if you're filled with the Spirit, what is the result? Well, we don't have the answer in this verse, right? Because this verse just leaves us with that thought. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so we're, we're left with that question in the air. So what does the Spirit produce in us? All right. We're off to a good start. I made the, made the turn. All right. And what comes next is a series of phrases that are designed to answer that question. So take a look at these phrases. As we read them, we see addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, as you look at that list, you should notice that we start seeing these words. And there they are on the screen, already highlighted. So I'm going to go ahead and, and mark them here. We get addressing. There's our first one. Then we get actually two verbs, singing and making melody, here in this, second, in this line here. Next we have giving thanks, always. And finally we have submitting to one another. So we have these four ideas, and these four ideas are designed to play out what it actually looks like to have a spirit-filled life. If the Holy Spirit is living and ruling in my heart, what does that look like? And the answer is, well, it's going to look something like this. Now, as we look at these terms, um, we start noticing something interesting about them. All right, so the first one says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sometimes we forget that hymns are not just designed to address the Lord. All right, that is part of singing. That is part of our worship. We sing to the Lord. But did you notice here, this singing isn't, isn't vertically directed. This singing is actually horizontal. So I'm going to go ahead and just... We'll give ourselves a little horizontal arrow, arrow there because we're talking about singing to one another, communicating biblical truth to each other through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, look at the next one here. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That was what I was talking to the kids about, right? The guitar can't do that. The guitar can simply play a melody. But if we want this to happen, that's going to come from us. All right, so do I get another horizontal arrow on this second one? No, this one, this one isn't horizontal. This one is vertical. We're talking about singing and making melody. By the way, interestingly enough, the verb here, making melody, it comes from the idea of plucking strings. Interestingly enough, um, 
you know, I, I kind of grew up in an era where the guitar was kind of, even, the good guitar even, was kind of like, that, that shouldn't be used. Um, and I have to admit, it fits into the biblical language really well here um, if it's played right. All right, so um, this idea of making melody, but notice that's not where he starts off. He doesn't start just talking about making melody. He talks about singing and making melody. He talks about the words which are supported by the music. And notice how it comes from the heart. All right, this is, this is directed to the Lord. Keep going here. Giving thanks always. Giving thanks to whom? Well, clearly this is giving thanks to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, notice we have another vertical arrow here. And finally it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Help me out. We've got a horizontal arrow here. Submitting to one another. And of course, as we continue in this passage, this submitting to one another, we're going to see it clearly illustrated in the marriage relationships. As husbands love their wives and as wives submit and respect their husbands, we're going to see that verb really illustrated nicely throughout the family as, as Paul continues in this passage. But what's interesting about this, this idea, you have four elements, and as we look at them the way they're designed, we get what actually is called a chiastic structure. So I put a little diagram here so we could see what this looks like. Um, this is a very simple chiastic structure in which you get an A, a B, and then you get this re inverse parallelism, par parallelism where the B is repeated, the, the idea, a parallel idea is given, and then we work back out to the A. It's called a chiasm because it follows the Greek letter chi, which is an X. That's what you see there on the screen. And so we have this inverse parallelism. And that's really what Paul is doing here. As we see this horizontal idea followed by two vertical ideas, and then we work back out to the horizontal relationship. Now, why, why is this happening? Why do we get this chiasm here in this, in this passage? Well, the interesting thing about chiasms, which, you know, they're not very much the way we organize our thoughts, but um, in the biblical poetry, especially in the Old Testament, we, this is quite a common structure to find. And basically what happens is you sort of focus attention towards the center, in other words, when we look at this, at this structure, where it's designed to sort of bring our attention into this center part of the passage where the importance of singing and making melody and giving thanks to God, that's sort of the heart of it. And then it sort of works its way out as we talk about encouraging other believers through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and even living in this mutual submission, this mutual respect and love for other believers as we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What this is telling me is that as we, as we talk about what it looks like to have a spirit-filled life, I mean, we all know what it looks like to have a wine-drunk life. We may laugh at it, at the person sort of stumbling, the slurred speech, the, the stupid things that are said, but it's not funny. But we know that picture. We've got that image in our minds. But we should walk away from this passage, not just with that idea and say, well, okay, you know, I, I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to drink alcohol. So, I mean, I don't want to get drunk at least. So, I, you know, I'll just make sure I never get drunk. I mean, that's not a bad thing to say. 
But the whole point of the passage is to go way beyond that and say, no, no, it's not that you, you want to just be able to drink enough so you get a little buzz, but you don't actually get to be stupid. No, the whole idea of the passage is what I want to do is be in a situation in which the Holy Spirit starts filling my life to such a degree that he starts taking over in my life. Just like when the person drinks and all of a sudden, you know, starts saying things that normally he wouldn't say, starts doing things that normally he wouldn't do, the believer should be in a situation in which we start saying things that we wouldn't normally say. We start doing things that actually we probably wouldn't normally do because that's out of our comfort zone. It's not exactly us. But here's the beautiful thing. The drunkard, the person who gets drunk with wine, later on they tell him what he did, what he said, and he says, oh my goodness, I did that, I said that. I don't think I want to go back to that place after I got in that fight with that person. And yet the believer as we start seeing the Spirit work in our lives, there's nothing more beautiful than to realize that's not me. That's God working through me. It's something that, you know, we, we struggle with sometimes because people come up to us and they say, hey, you guys are such good people. Oh, you guys, I, I just respect you. You have my highest respect because you are such good people. What do you say when somebody says that? You know, I, I found the temptation, you know, the first time somebody said that to me, to sort of say, yes, well, you know. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> no! That, that's not the way to answer that. The answer should be more in the direction of, you know what? Actually... I'm not. That's, that's not what you're noticing. That's not me. That's God's transforming power in my life. That's what this passage is really telling us to do, that we need to allow God to fill our lives to the point where he starts to truly manifest himself in and through us. I have just a couple statements that I would like to give as we finish out this passage. Um, but first of all, I, I need to men mention this morning in the message, I have to thank um, Brother Ted for what he shared this morning because he was right here, right? You remember what he said about how you get that filling of the Spirit? That was beautiful because I thought I'm not going to have time to really get into all that, and so he did it this morning for me. Um, how do we get it? By specifically by spending time in the Word and praying. Not just in the Word like, okay, I read a page of the Bible every day, and so, or, or better yet, while I'm in the shower, I turn on the Bible app and I just hit play, and you know, I, I get my Bible in for the day or something like that. No, actually spending time in the Word where we're asking God to teach us, and then spending time praying and talking to the Lord. That's the secret to the Spirit-filled life. But a couple, couple statements here that... I want to share with you. Number one, this passage points me towards a truth that we see throughout scriptures, and that is the Lord's will, and by the way, that was the idea that we had in the previous verses, this idea of discerning the will of God. And here's the will of God. The will of God is for us to be spirit-filled believers and living out God's influences in our lives. 
So here's the Lord's will. The Lord's will is for us to live out a love with his, which is both vertically and horizontally directed. This is the great commandment. You remember that? They came and asked Christ, what, all right, out of all the commandments, what's the most important commandment? I, I know that type of question. That's a classic student question. You know, try to get the teacher to say something so then you can say, well, what about... And, and Christ handles that question so perfectly. He says, the great commandment, that's easy. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And before you say anything else, there's a second commandment, and it's just similar to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that's, that's the whole. Everything hangs on those two commandments. And this passage takes us in that same direction. There is not just a vertical relationship of the Spirit's influence in my life. There's also horizontal. It's not just that I'm a religious person, so I go to church and I'm this great saint at church. I mean, I go to church and I pray better than anybody else. I sing wonderfully. I'm just super saint. But stay away from me on Monday morning at work. You don't even want to see me there because I left my church person on Sunday. That is not the scriptural idea. The scriptural idea is that this is going to affect not only the way our vertical relations go, but also the way our horizontal relations go. But not just that. More specifically, the Holy Spirit fills the life of a believer to produce God-directed praise and thanksgiving, as well as spiritual encouragement and respect towards our neighbor. And so I just want to end with this application point today to ask, how are we doing with this spirit-filled life? I mean, to put it in other terms, how are we doing with our vertical relationship with the Lord? Are we living out this life of praise and thanksgiving? Just like we were talking about with the kids, we have a unique gift of God, and that is we have a voice and words with which we can praise and thank the Lord. Yeah, sometimes we say, yeah, yeah, if he gives me something to be thankful for, I'll be, start being thankful. But at the moment, I'm not seeing it. What I've learned in life is there's something always to thank the Lord for in every situation. And when we start thanking the Lord for everything that he's given us, it starts to open our eyes to what we really actually have. As long as we're sort of embittered, feeling like we didn't get the good cards that everybody else got, we really shut down. And so, are we living that praise and thanksgiving in our lives to God? But then, as we look at that horizontal, as we move out from there, what are we doing as far as our relationships with others? Are we finding ways that we can invest in others? that we can share the gospel with others, that we can be a testimony for Christ to others? Are we the person that truly thinks of others and invests in others? Are we so busy thinking about ourselves and investing in ourselves that there's just no time left for anybody else? We're just full up with ourselves. And that is the actual result of the Spirit filling our lives. So I want to leave this point as an encouragement for us as we talk about being filled with the Spirit, asking God to manifest that Spirit in our lives this week, this evening, tomorrow, as we, as we move into our work week, ask that God would truly manifest His Spirit's filling in our lives.
Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this passage. We thank you that just as we can be stupid, we can get drunk with wine, and we can go down the road towards debauchery, you've given us a different path, a path in which we can submit to your Holy Spirit and allow you to work in our hearts and to fill our lives with praise and thanksgiving and help and respect and love for others. I pray, Father, that you would continue to manifest your Holy Spirit in us more and more that Christ would be magnified in all that we do. I pray this now in his name.